0: You are now listening to The Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified.
1: Hi, and welcome to The Blackest Questions. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Greer, Politics Editor for The Griot and Associate Professor of Political Science at Fordham University. In this podcast, we ask our guests five of the blackest questions so we can learn a little bit more about them and have some fun while we're doing it. We're also going to learn a lot about black history, past and present. So here's how this works. We have five rounds of questions about us like history the entire diaspora current events you name it and with each round the questions get a little tougher and the guest has 10 seconds to get it right if they answer the question correctly they'll receive one symbolic black fist and they'll hear this and if they get it wrong they'll hear this but we still love them anyway our guest for this episode is tony ward nominee actress and singer L. Morgan Lee, who was part of Michael R. Jackson's Pulitzer Prize winning musical, A Strange Loop, that just wrapped up its Broadway run last month. The musical received 11 Tony nominations, the most for any show in 2022, and L. Morgan received a Tony nomination for Best Featured Actress in a Musical, and she was recognized as a trailblazer in the Broadway community, and she's been honored for her work and commitment to inclusion. Black and
0: queer as Broadway
1: Morgan, thank you so much for joining us here at The Blackest Questions. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Thank you for having me, Dr. Christina. Oh, I'm so excited. And I saw *Strange Loop*, and you were fabulous. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. (laughs) Okay. Question number one. In January of this year, this person became the first Black governor of Maryland and is only the third Black person to be governor of any state in the United States. Who is he? That is
2: so embarrassing because I'm from Maryland. I should know the answer to this. And I have no idea.
1: <laughs> OK, so he's the third black man to be elected governor. We've had other governors who mm-hmm. had to step in who were appointed. And the answer is Wes Moore.
2: Wes Moore.
1: So he's a Democrat and military veteran who won Maryland's governor's race by a landslide. He's only 44 years old and new to politics. He's never held any other office. He was a Rhodes Scholar, a best-selling author, a Wall Street investment banker, and the founder of an anti-poverty nonprofit. And in the United States, we've only had two other elected Black governors before Westmore: L. Huh? Douglas Wilder, who served one term as Virginia's governor back in 1990, and the other was Deval Patrick, who led Massachusetts in 2007, serving two terms. So you are from Maryland. <laughs> I'm from Maryland. <laughs> Do you- When you're not on Broadway and singing and acting, do you follow politics at all?
2: I'm no, I don't. I'm someone who keeps up like with small, like with basic things kind of here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's awful. I've become a bit of a like a social media follower of politics. So the things that hit Mm -hmm. the big headlines, I catch. Um, But just because my mind is always sort of going in a bit of a blur, um, it, it I feel like it all just sort of jumbles in together in piles. So I, I, I probably just need more breath in general so that I can retain more of this information.
1: Absolutely, because there's so much. You know, as, as someone who's been studying politics for so long, I need a breather, right? I need mm-hmm. a break sometime. <laughs> now, what part of Maryland are you from?
2: I'm from the, like, Bowie Greenbelt area of Maryland, so uh-huh. uh, PG County, Um Yeah, I mean, but I've been in New York like significant, not significant, but a bit longer than I had been in Maryland at this point. So at this point, I'm probably from New York, but I originated in Maryland.
1: Isn't it that that beautiful crossover where, you know, for New Yorkers, it's like, well, I've been here. But, you know, the old school New Yorkers are like, well, what high school did you go to? And then then it's like, (laughs) okay, well, technically I'm a transplant. (laughs) But here we are. Uh-huh. And so when you were growing up in Maryland, though, were you involved in musical theater and, you know, sort of that community when you're growing up? Or when did when did you get bitten by this singing and acting bug?
2: Well, I've been singing since I was in my high chair. So <laughs> so I was always singing. Um, I did a lot of like show choir stuff in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, And I went to Duke Ellington for two years, which is in Georgetown, D.C. Um, And so that sort of really started the bug full on because we got to travel a bit. And uh, it's interesting. I was saying to someone the other day, there's so many shows happening at the Kennedy Center. And like, it's such a like revered, honored, you know, space to play in. In particular, uh, people now are talking about it so much. I took it so much for granted because like our show, we were there all the time. Um, right you're and like, so whatever. It was, like the Kennedy Center it was Center. like whatever the Kennedy Center but like so now I'm like I wish I had like taken more like of what that was because I'd love to be at the Kennedy Center now and like I right. know those hallways but like it's yeah it's interesting like what we take for granted when we don't realize where we actually are how important the spaces we are are
1: well you know as they say like youth is wasted on the young you know like you're just Absolutely. hanging out at the Kennedy Center not realizing <laughs> it's the Kennedy Center this is the you Kennedy know, Center what? right It's the Kennedy Center. Now, as someone who lip-sings in church, right? I mean, El Morgan, (laughs) when I tell you I have the worst voice ever, what advice do you give people who, you know, might be in high school, who look at you, I mean, you've you've become an icon and a trailblazer and such an inspiration to so many people who want to be on Broadway, who want to be off-Broadway, you know, your voice is incredible. What advice do you give to, you know, say, that high school student who who's kind of in the musical choir or, you know, dipping their toe into theater um, to sort of take this seriously and, and and go down some of the paths that you've gone, what would you tell them? Keep
2: studying, study, study, study. And not not even necessarily like, yes, with teachers, but also on your own. I spent a lot of time just in practice rooms alone singing just because I love doing it. And I feel like Mm -hmm. we have to, um, the minute money gets involved in it and it becomes a career, you have to really like be able to sort of draw yourself back to like the reason why you do this, um, because mm-hmm. capitalism and all this stuff will really sort of take the, the joy out of it if you're not careful. Um, so if you want to pursue it at a on a bigger platform, I think really spend the time like cultivating the craft itself so that you have something to hold on to in mm-hmm. the moments when you feel tired. Um, cause that's, yeah. that's the, of the utmost importance, especially at this point. Like I just finished doing the almost, almost year run of a show where the show becomes your job. It becomes work. Um, and you have to often tap back into, okay, wait, why am I doing this? Who is this for? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that for me ends up being tapping into that like kid in a practice room, just sitting at the piano or like my mom catching me outside of my bedroom, um, playing on my keyboard, singing things and doing monologues. That's the stuff that, that helps you through. Ugh. okay. I'm here with El Morgan Lee. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be
1: right back with more of the Blackest Questions. Okay, we're back. I'm with El Morgan Lee, uh who just finished her run on Strange Loop. Welcome back to the Blackest, <laughs> Blackest Questions. Are you ready for question number two? Oh god, yes. Okay. We got this. We got this. We're together. I'm mean, like he history also is mentioned. History.
2: He like mentioned that they get a little harder as we go, and I'm like, oh, here we no, go.
1: I'm I'm right here with you, right? You know, listen. As someone, as I just I was honest. I said I I lip sing in church, so I look to you. You were my sherpa on this journey. Okay. Question number two. This moment in history took place in June of 1969 when police arrested mostly black and brown women at a gay bar in Greenwich Village, a neighborhood in New York City. This moment is credited with catapulting the LGBTQ movement for civil rights. What am I describing?
2: Stonewall?
1: Yes, the Stonewall riots. So when police raided the Stonewall Inn, a popular gay bar, patrons fought back. It's believed a black drag performer named Storm DeLarvery threw the first punch because the authorities started to get violent while loading people into their patrol cars. The raid led to six straight days of protest largely led by black gay rights activists. And on the one-year anniversary of the riots, June 28, 1970, thousands of people marched from Manhattan to Central Park, which was the first official gay pride parade in the United States. So, much like race relations in this country, gay rights are far from being uh, calcified sure. and solidified in, in our pantheon. Um, where do you think we are with our current climate for LGBTQ plus rights? Oh, I know. Oops. I feel like uh, we've come with, you know, that like, old Benson and Hedge. Was it Benson and Hedges or a Virginia Slims commercial? Like, we've come a long way, baby, but we still uh-huh. got a long way to go.
2: Yeah. yeah I think that, that we certainly have come a long way. But again, yeah, we we have only really reached the surface of the changes that need to happen, in particular mm-hmm. with right now. In particular, there are so many there's like hundreds of different things in legislatures like trying to be passed. Um to prohibit trans folks from even basically existing at this point, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which it's it's laughable because it's like you can put all of the, the laws and things you want into place, but people will not stop existing. And so it's just going to be a constant back and forth. And quite frankly, people will do the things they need to do. And so if we don't find ways to allow them to happen in a safe and sort of uh, nurtured way, it could then turn into a much more dangerous situation for so many people. And we don't want to see any more uptick in in harm being done to trans youth or, you know, suicides and such. I mean, that turned, took, a, so it took a sort of dark turn all of a sudden. Um, but we don't want to see the numbers go up for people who are young people in particular who are harming themselves or who are doing things to themselves because they don't feel like they have access to the things that they need. Um, So I think we have a long ways to go. Um, And the first I feel like one of the biggest things that will help us in doing that is if we can learn to listen to one another. I think a lot of these conversations are happening without the people who are being whose lives are being impacted by them being in the room for the conversations. Mm -hmm. I would not I would not dare, you know, want to be on a panel or board making decisions about subjects that I don't understand or know. If I'm living something every day, I'm the person you want to be in the room because I can actually give you a little bit more insight on what these things actually mean. And you don't want one trans person. You need plenty of trans people because people's op- people's lives and and needs are so different, just like any other Abs- group. Just like any other group.
1: Absolutely. You know, and especially with the intersection of black trans uh, men and women in our community, I think that that needs to also be a conversation in the forefront. You know, I see this all the time when we think about, say, like housing, you know, you'll have all these panels. And it's like, is anyone on this panel housing insecure? Right. We'll have mm-hmm. panels on like, you know, youth development. It's like, but no young people are on the panel. You know, mm-hmm. so it goes on and on about, you know, drug usage. It's like, well, we don't have any former, you know, former people who were addicted to uh, substances that, you know, were once legal or are now legal or, or whatever the conversation may be. And I think it's so important to, to really highlight the as you said, the diversity of the trans community in many of these spaces. And it's not just one specific, one selected voice. Um, right. You know, you sort of, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about the, you know, you coming into uh, developing your, your role and your voice, literally your voice as a singer and an actress. Do you remember some of those songs that you sang that kind of gave you either courage or motivation as you were on this road? You know, knowing that, you know, as we, you know, talked before, before we started recording, I mean, you know, you're a black woman on Broadway, which is still that's, you know, that's almost a, a rarity, sadly, but true. You know, we still uh-huh. don't have representation just in just black women being on the stage and such a prominent stage that you were on during Strange Loop. What do you do you remember some of the songs that you tapped into that gave you strength to kind of keep going?
2: I am so... Sometimes I think I was born in the wrong um, era. Um, well, mm-hmm. I, I say that, but, like, with the, like, caveat that, like, I was born in the wrong era, but I would not want to live in those eras because we've certainly come a ways <laughs> since Correct. those times. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I grew up on watching, like, the old like, MGM movies and, like, you know, old Diane Carroll clips and Lena Horne and... Judy Garland, and like so, so the the music that tends to speak to me tends to be like old Harold Arlen tunes, and like you know, it's the it's the you know, you'll never knows, Rosemary Clooney. It's like these old like bluesy, jazzy, like lush um old movie picture things
0: when he went away the blues walked in and met me if he stays away old rocking chair will get me
2: and like those are also the scenes that did that for me growing up um I, i i i i loved singing growing up i was much more of a tv um an old movie person so um the dream sort of has always been to be on screen. Um, but then people okay. sort of div- people realize that you sing and immediately it becomes, oh, my God, musicals, you're a Broadway. And you're like, wait, 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 but I, I want to do film. <laughs> I want to do film. Um, so I, it's 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 a lot of old pictures like Mommy Dearest and like The Wiz and Judy Garland and like, the, you know, Grease, Grease 2, um, you know, all these old like sort of would be classics to me. Um are the things that sort of raised me in so many ways. The women of Rooster Place, I could spout oh, from yeah. like start to stop. Um it's like these are the these are the things that actually shape so much of me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well on this podcast we believe in manifesting.
1: So I'm putting it out there that Elle Morgan is going to be on TV and in films yes. in the upcoming year too. Um I hope that you walk around, you know, when you said mommy dearest, I'm like, I just picture you walking around with like a boa and some fancy you know nightgown and a martini glass like yelling at your cat or something like that you know just
2: just a in face mask full Full face face. mask with a towel around the hair screaming and holding the delivery man comes
1: what are you doing in my home it's like i'm here to
2: deliver your pizza that's amazing i love it
1: i love it so you know and, and i think you know when And I I was just thinking about the women of Brewster Place just because the visuals uh, were just so dramatic. As a a young girl, you know, watching it on television, you know, to see all these beautiful black women with so many different ranges of acting uh, on the screen. You know, you just again, just like you said with with, uh, you know, hanging out at the Kennedy Center. I don't know if I fully understood just how powerful and groundbreaking That made-for-TV movie really was, you know, as a young Black girl watching it and seeing all these beautiful, dynamic Black women playing just the whole
2: spectrum of Black womanhood. Yeah,
1: Um, and that's just so powerful.
2: And, like, the statement that it makes to have this group of Black women all having to, like, try to take down that wall together, it's like the the older I get, the um, the more sort of comfortable in my own skin I get, the more I understand it. And like, Mm -hmm. it just like my my respect and and love of black women, in particular, cis black women um, has grown like so greatly as a result of for me as a result of transition and life. And it's like it's oh, it's like the the world that is being met every day by black women is is out of this world and is something Uh that i feel like i i wish there were more ways of being able to express what that is so that people could get an idea of exactly what people are going through exactly what Uh it takes to simply go through your daily routine it's like it's 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 not it ain't the same thing as you know most people i think assume it is and this idea of of the strong, you know, the strong trope that's being put on, and it's like, yeah, because we live in a world where how can we survive otherwise? And it's like, you know, you, we right. don't we don't have the conversations that we could be having. Instead, we just sort of like to throw people into categories and labels and just dismiss the experience.
1: Right, and it's you know, so much of it is is not just about survival, but it's about thriving. Ugh.
2: thriving! I am <laughs> talking
1: to L. Morgan Lee, and you are listening to the Blackest Questions. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. I'm talking to Tony nominee, L Morgan Lee, uh, and we're just having a total Black Girl Fest. El Morgan, are you ready for question number three?
2: Yes, bring it on.
1: We got this, we got this. We got Okay, it. speaking of fabulous Black women, this year, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominated a female hip-hop artist for the first time. Who is she?
2: Oh. Oh, no. I don't know that many. Um... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, hip hop. Oh, Jesus. I'm so. Um, I mean, I'm going to say Missy Elliott, but that's probably completely wrong.
1: It's right. You are correct. It's oh. Missy Elliott. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down flip it and it. Missy Misdemeanor Elliott is a four-time Grammy award-winning artist from Virginia, your neighbor, who exploded onto the male-dominated hip hop scene in the late 1990s. Her unique music videos also set her apart. She's produced and written songs for artists like Aaliyah, Beyonce, Eminem, and Lizzo. And Missy also received a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame earlier this year. Now, listen, I am a Missy fan, okay? I'm now an Elle Morgan fan, you know, (laughs) now that we're here on this podcast. I'm totally fangirling out. But Missy has been, like, my ride or die since her very first album. Are you a Missy fan? Do you listen to hip-hop? Or, you know, I know you listen to probably, you know, you mentioned other types of music. But do you listen to Missy in particular or hip hop in
2: general? I don't listen to a lot of hip hop. I my like rap hip hop culture in my mind sort of is very, very old school. I told you it the wrong year altogether. I mean, I I'm still like I will still jam out every once in a while to a salt and pepper moment. So it's so like beginning of rap. It's where yes. I started listening. Um, yeah, not a lot of hip hop, but like Missy, I have definitely noticed a bit more recently. Um, like I said, social media is the, the thing that puts some, th- some, things in my face. Um, mm-hmm. so I've noticed that she's had this whole like sort of image renovation situation, this like revamp. Um, and I was like, wait, that's Missy. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, our <laughs> listeners know that I'm stuck between 1993 and 1998. Okay. Okay. Like, permanently stuck. Just Love stuck it. in cement that Love it. i mean i think that's like the golden age for me there's so many amazing albums that came out during that time but i think you know as someone who's such an amazing performer you know to see her in her videos and like the costume changes and the different personalities she's always been uh an icon for me just because <sighs> of her her creativity so in and you know in thinking about someone like salt and Pepper, i mean even their hair you know you just sort of it's just so iconic when you think about that's you a- know their their jackets and the sneakers and the makeup and the, you know, the bamboo earrings. I just lost my bamboo <laughs> earrings last week and you would have ah. thought that, you know, the world was about to end. Um. So as far as, you know, when you're getting into character uh, and you're, okay. you know, getting ready to go to the theater or, you know, um, get prepared, do you have a particular type of music that's like your, your kind of hype music um, that sort of gets you in the headspace of where you need to be? or Or are you more of a, a quiet, reflective, type of oh no person. I'm
2: really really loud um I like I actually am <laughs> no. like such I'm such a cancer like the, 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 the funny part is that I'm actually a bit of an introvert um okay so as cancers the, are yeah it's like I'm a bit of an introvert so like I get into my own little space and like in the dressing room for instance I would listen to kind of the same playlist almost every day like I would so people in the hallway knew that I was like getting into a like oh, she's warming up because it was always this, like, same (laughs) playlist of tunes. And it's not necessarily, like, the what you expect it to be. Like, people think, like, I need my, like, hype music stuff that's going to get me, like, excited and jumping around. I'm listening to, like, Jasmine Sullivan singing, like, In Love With Another Man. (laughs) like, I'm listening to, like, This old R&B, like like slow jams, like completely the opposite of getting reared up. And then I'll like pop in uh, for Strange Loop. I popped in like six would pop in there somewhere. So so like the cast recording from, from six and like Bridgerton, the musical. These are my two like, you know, things that went into the mix that like helped me. You know, if I once I get myself comfortable enough where I can feel a bit warm, I can put on Bridgerton. If I can sing through that, then I know I'm fine for the show. Um, but, yeah, it's a very random list that has, like, almost nothing to do with what I'm actually doing on the stage.
1: <laughs> I can
2: imagine your colleagues walking past and hearing the Bridgerton soundtrack. Oh, like, my okay, God. okay, well, she's getting ready. Here she goes. <laughs> well, then they know that, like, once it gets to, like, the right, um, the right songs, they're like, okay, well, she, she's about to finish the warm-up. Yep. And then yeah. she'll come out the dressing room and chat with us.
1: Now, and so... Beyond listening to music. And by the way, when is your birthday? Because I'm a Cancer and I can listen to the same thing. I always tell people I have
2: like the musical listening
1: taste of like a four-year-old, right? I can listen to the same thing over and over and over again. Every day. You know, and it's like, and I hear something new every time. When is your birthday? I'm July 5th. I'm July 13th. So you can be birthday buddies. Oh, that's a good time. once Once you've listened to your music, what's your next process to get ready? Because I'm fascinated, so I, you know, you're you're doing these shows, what, eight times a week? Eight shows a week. And each time you bring a little more nuance and a little more subtlety and a little more, you know, pizzazz. So what's your process? You've Listen to your music, we've got Bridgerton uh-huh. out of the way, uh-huh. and then what happened?
2: For me, once I've, uh, I've, I've been downing coconut water, listening to the music, doing my makeup, um, and for a strange loop, as I was starting to finish the music... Um, my hair girl would come in and do hair, um, and put my mic in, and at that point I'm like almost finished, I'm almost fully ready, um, and then we go downstairs and we get on stage. Um, so for me, it's like, I, but I also, I got to the theater like a good two, two and a half hours before the show, just because I As don't like- do. Yeah, it's like I've gotta, you I've don't gotta like create rushing. a home space, I don't wanna yes. rush, so everything I don't wanna be, you know, fit things. Sweating,
1: and I've like, I've gotta yeah. be on, no. Well, so I get there, have we'd a meal. Well, we be good travel buddies, Al Morgan, yes. because I get to the airport. It's like, oh, my flight's at noon? Okay, well, it's 9.45 and I'm here in position. <laughs> I'm ready so to go. I, so I can I'm relax. my gate.
2: Have, yes. have, a, have a drink if I want a snack. I can listen to music. That's all the things. It's about setting all a mood. Things.
1: We We have to create a, a, a home and an environment. Okay, uh-huh. we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm with Al Morgan, Lee. You've been listening to The Blackest Questions. We'll be right back. OK, we're back. I'm with El Morgan Lee, Tony-nominated actress from *Strange Loop*, Broadway's most recent production. Elle uh, Morgan, we're doing all right? You ready to rock and roll? Yes, let's do it. OK, question number four. This actress became the first openly transgender woman to play a lead actress in a Broadway show. Who is she, and what musical did she star in? Angelica Ross played Roxy in Chicago. You are correct. So, Angelica <laughs> Ross portrayed Roxy Hart in Broadway's Chicago. Ross made her acting debut in 2005 with her role in the Italian comedy film, Natalie Miami. She's also received a primetime Emmy for her web series, Her Story. But she's most known for her role in the FX series, Pose. Outside of acting, Ross is also a transgender rights advocate and a businesswoman who started her own tech company called Trans Tech Social Enterprises, which helps employ transgender people in the tech industry. So Angelica Ross, who's in Chicago, did you happen to see Angelica when she was in Chicago?
2: I saw her first performance. <laughs> really, I saw the very oh, wow. first night she went on. Yeah. Uh, now, our... do you
1: know her? Were you just a, a fan, and and that's you just
2: went to I, to go see? I, I, you know, I I know I know her sort of peripherally through people, but uh, our our we have teams that were sort of similar, so some mm-hmm. are same press person between shows. Um, wanted to extend us an invite on that night. In particular, of course, because I wanted to support her. um, Because it was a big deal. So, yeah. It's a huge deal.
1: Now, you know, her Broadway work was recognized. Let's talk a little bit more about your historic accomplishment because, you know, on The Blackest Questions, we don't believe in um, hiding our light under a bushel. Um, So as the first openly transgender actress to be nominated for a Tony Award, tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us about how you felt about that and about you know working on a strange loop that's just been such a groundbreaking musical on a whole host of levels uh, to start with just sort of black Broadway in general. Uh.
2: Yeah, I mean it 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 was crazy. Uh-huh. It's the best word I can. Are start you still with. pinching yourself? Um, it's it's interesting because I've finally got to a point where I can accept it and stop pinching myself. It took mm-hmm. me quite some time to do that. Um, I feel the responsibility of that now in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. word that people use, trailblazer, is one that I now see in a very different way than I've ever seen it before. Um, it's it's interesting how the universe sort of presents you with things that make you appreciate life and people more. Um, and yeah. it's like when I hear this idea of firsts now, I understand it in a in a slightly different way and one of the things is that we never we always hear about the accomplishment that the first have done but we don't hear we don't then follow up to see how they're doing. So like, mm. you know, this this person uh sort of cracked a glass ceiling. Someone told me along the way you don't crack a glass ceiling without being cut. And so there's there's a lot of wanting to make sure that I can help uh that I can help make sure that people behind me sort of don't have to go through some of the same things that I experienced Mm -hmm. along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, this goes back to the conversation we had earlier where it's like, you want people to be in the room so that you can, if we all are invested in moving forward and, and, and in making progress, then we have to have the conversations. And so you need those people who have been in the room or who are experiencing what the room looks like without that work, to be present uh-huh. in those conversations to help us to prepare things a bit better. I don't want to look back at, at you know, younger folks coming through and, like, not say anything and then see their feet get burned. I want to make sure that they know which shoes to wear before they get in the room. Right. Um Absolutely. And so, you know, we, Broadway in particular, but our business, our industry, our world, has a lot of work to do to allow people to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we, we, one of the things that, was great about a strange loop is that it introduced broadway to a very different sort of assortment of humans than typically are in a broadway show um mm-hmm. and many of us have had careers and i've been doing things i've been in the city you know a little over 20 years at this point um so like have been doing a lot but like this show was the first time that people were able to fully see me. And part of it is because I also sort of came to my own, you know, self through the process of developing on this show in so many ways. Um, and so being in a strange loop helped to introduce audiences to what it looks like in particular in that show to have a show centered on a larger bodied queer man who is black, a fat black man who is, like, going through the things that he goes through, there's no show that centers on that particular archetype. Um, and right. then those of us who were playing the rest of the characters around him um, were just sort of a hodgepodge of different characters who were playing with material that, like, we might never get to do otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. started A Strange Loop in, like, 2015, I think it was. Um, and it was, I got it from a DM in my Facebook, from Michael um asking if I wanted to do a reading of this project that he was working on um and like it it sort of he just wanted me to be me and so you know mm. we got in the room and started playing with these different characters in the play and he was someone who was excited about letting us sort of fly and find our version of who these people were um and so that's when I was first definitely introduced to the sympathetic ear character who does not have a clear name she just sort of left was left with sympathetic ear or patron um and i think that like she is the reason i sort of stuck it out with the show a bit because when i first started the process i was able to hide inside of her in a lot of ways uh, there were uh-huh, there was an uh-huh. element of what she brought to the story that i was like i'll never get to do this in a show so I'm gonna hold on to this little bit of a thing here, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna ride this thing as long as I can, yeah. and then post transition, it started to become very the the interesting situation was I was holding on to her because I had to hide, but post transition it became, I get to do this now, and That's like true. and now I'm getting to do this in other shows and other projects and other things, and so she felt like a, a really like beautiful entryway into. What Lies Ahead?
1: Ah, well, dare I say, El Morgan Lee, coming out of your cancer shell into (laughs) this beautiful, beautiful portrayal uh, in a strange loop. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break. I could talk to you for days. Um, And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Blackest Question. Okay, we are back with The Blackest Questions. I'm talking to Elle Morgan Lee, Tony-nominated actress, I might add. We've got our last question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This weekly black newspaper is the oldest in New York City and one of the most influential and oldest continuously published African-American newspapers in the country. It was also one of the first publications to publish the writings from Malcolm X. What newspaper is it? I don't know. I want it. I don't know that I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll make sure you get a copy because it's the Amsterdam News. And I write a weekly column for them. And they still, it's a weekly publication. It comes out every Thursday. You can also get it online. Um, But the Amsterdam News began in 1909 and founder James Henry Anderson founded the paper with just $10. Copies were then sold for just two cents per issue. A little bit more than that now. And the old brownstone on 7th Avenue in Harlem where the paper was originally published was designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1976. So I can make sure you get a copy of the Amsterdam News. It's still a print copy every Thursday. Um, where do you get use you, You've mentioned sort of social media quite a bit. Is that where you primarily get your news? And so you, you stay
2: abreast of what's going on in not just New York City, but kind of black America writ large. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's typically through social media. It's like I mean, it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's the the things that the pop out. I, yeah, exactly. I'll see what pops up and what people are talking about and what people are sort of going in on. And then I I. Sometimes I'll go through a rabbit hole and then find out lots of other things that I did not realize were going on. Um, I mean, there's also, there's that world where it's like, I'll be like, Elle Morgan, girl, pay attention. You need to open, open your eyes to what's happening around you. Um, Look around. But but then I'm like, girl, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to survive here. I'm trying to live my Mm -hmm. life. So like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that interesting sort of back and forth of, of, you need to be aware of what's happening because you can then find ways to either be helpful or just or just know. um and the other side of it is life is stressful and like sort of trying to get through every day can be tricky. um in particular, uh-huh. being I'm someone who takes on a lot of things. um, you know, I have an ongoing to-do list that almost never gets finished because i I overload it constantly Been um. Hit? And so I think that like in an effort, one of my things I am working on is is trying to be better at self-care and like allowing myself space and time to like finish things. Um, Because when Mm -hmm. you're constantly sort of chasing after and never finishing, it's hard to keep up with anything going on around you because you're always in this sort of spiral of craziness. Um, mm-hmm. and so I have too many, I feel like you're preaching that, to my soul. Thank you. Ah, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's cause it's very easy to jump in and like want to start or want to help or want to learn or want to build or want to read. It's like, I just, there's so many options of things to do that. Um, I don't necessarily know how to say, no, I'm not going to do that now. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to leave that yeah. for another time. I don't do that. Well, I just start. And then I'm like, well, and now that's on the pot. Right.
1: Right. I'm trying to get better at realizing two things. No is a verb and no then, is a
2: full sentence. I said, and I so, heard. and just
1: a no is enough, right? And okay. so, and just because I say no doesn't mean the opportunity is never going to circle back. But, uh-huh. you know, I, I I, think I have a tendency sometimes to juggle a lot of things. And I'm really good at juggling, but I will say if one ball drops, uh-huh. they all fall.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not
2: good at sort of dropping just one. It's it's interesting because my to-dos are are self-imposed. I, uh-huh. you know, I I read Shonda Rhimes has a book called The Year of Yes, which yes. I I uh-huh. used to sort of sit back and sort of be afraid of everything. And I read that book and started to just allow myself to do things. No, thank God, has become something that I've definitely grown able to do to other people. It's it's uh-huh. the to myself that I have issues. No, I'll have an idea. I'll have a spark, and I'll go. Oh, I'm adding it to my like drafts in my Gmail. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I have so many drafts in my Gmail now that like I need to like start saying no to myself a little
1: bit. Right, no is a verb to myself. myself. Right, (laughs) that's the that's the new T-shirt. Absolutely, but you know, I think you know. For someone like you, and for a lot of our listeners out there, you know, when you also start tapping into your talents and you get more comfortable in who you are and your full self, Before. then it Before. is a great way to say yes, I can do I that. Said. Actually, you know, this I is said. something that's going to bring me joy or enlightenment or some sort of professional um, momentum. So why not say yes? But then you realize Before. it's like, oh, I said a lot of
2: yeses, and so <laughs> I
1: might need to start <laughs> to reel it <laughs> I in. <need> to, <laughs> that's like, I might enough. want to say no to myself once or twice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the in particular, it's the trying to make more space for black women. So mm-hmm. like one of those things is like because I said to you earlier that like I have such an I want to be on film and TV. It's like I I see the things that we are presented with. I see the shows. There are some great ones out there. Um, But then I also see some stories that are like not really being told. And so I believe mm-hmm. that if you are the one that sees where there is a void, Perhaps that is the universe also letting you know that you might need to be a part of filling what that void is. If you see right. where that story needs to to happen if you if it's in your skill set, if you've been gifted with certain things, then you maybe need to be a part of like helping that that void get filled. Um, and so yes. that's something that I'm sort of working on. It's like i'm I want to you know, I want a development deal. i want I want to be able to like work through some projects so that I can bring more of us in. Um, more mm-hmm. of us on projects because the spaces that I'm in where they are dominated, particularly by black women, whenever I get opportunities to be in those spaces, they just tend to be really beautiful. And like they they mm-hmm. tend to there's an understanding that people have that you don't um, deal with or, th- or that you don't encounter as much in other spaces. Um, uh- and after coming out of a strange loop, which was so dominated by like male energy, it was it was just it was time to breathe and i'm glad that we know yes. we had a wonderful end and i'm i'm free of of that space and and now i'm able to start looking forward to like again what what comes next
1: just new things uh well we're manifesting with el morgan lee at the blackest questions we're going to take a quick commercial break i can't wait to see what you do next i'm so excited like just know. know that you've got like a mega fan in brooklyn and all of our listeners at the blackest questions we are so excited to see what comes next we'll be right back Okay, we're back. I'm with Tony-nominated actress, El Morgan Lee. We have made it. We made we it through made the it five through. questions. <laughs> we're gonna play a little bit of the Black Lightning round. This is just fun for you, El Morgan. I'm gonna ask you some quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind, you just let me know. Okay, you ready? Got it. What's your favorite thing about New York City? Who do
2: Uh, the food. So many different kinds of food, so many different kinds of food.
1: What's more fun for you,
2: getting all dolled up
1: or lounging in comfy clothes with no makeup on?
2: Lounging in comfy clothes with no makeup on. Yes. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? Such (laughs) answers. Something that people would be surprised to know about me. Uh, maybe Maybe that I am an introvert because, you know, people see the sort of outer shell of things that people see what you allow them to see. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the the center of me is, again, sitting on my couch, wearing no makeup and pajamas, watching old movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which
1: would you rather, do the cooking or do the cleanup? The cooking. Okay. Which Broadway classic could you watch over and over again?
2: Oh God, there's some... First one comes to mind. I'm going to say so random. Hello, Dolly with Marcus Streisand. Mm. Okay. I'm a big Rogers and Hammerstein girl.
1: Uh, um, the carousel. And the last question. What's your favorite trash TV to binge?
2: So, this is my love language, actually. Um, <laughs> because I watch lots of them. Um, I mean, currently... Currently, the Real Housewives franchises are the, okay. the the trash TV to binge. I mean, I think that's the, the dominant one. And I can't say a single one because I watch many of them. I mean, Potomac has been the focal point uh, at the moment. Okay. Um, But yeah, Potomac and Atlanta in particular are my two faves. Early okay, Hill's so you were definitely
1: walking around the house with your martini glass. Yelling at everyone, and I love it. (laughs) Listen, for our listeners out there, you've been listening to and laughing with Elle Morgan Lee, Tony Award-nominated actress, and you've been listening to The Blackest Questions. I want to thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Sasha Armstrong and Jeffrey Crudeau, and Regina Griffin is our director of podcasts. If you like what you heard, subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can find more from the Grio Black Podcast Network on the Grio app, website, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in.
0: You are now listening to The Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Coming this February, The Griot Black Podcast Network presents Dear Culture, Truish Black Stories.
1: When you think of sheer artistry, sheer creativity, um, the ability for someone to bring Black people together in the most fundamental ways, it's, you know, I would say, of my four, Randy Watson's my number one.
0: When the news about Ricky first broke, what I heard about it is the thing you hear about, you know, every time somebody black dies, that it was gang related. That means the police don't know what happened, so they just said, probably the gangs, probably, you know, the other black dudes. When I think of Aquila, you know, um, I think about, I just think about how impressionable white people can be. I think about how. You know, if you watch that movie again, you know, if you should have lost like three times. Where were you when you heard the story about them suckers getting served by Wade's dance crew?
1: You know, it's crazy that you mentioned this. So as a New Yorker, right, everyone knows where they were on 9-11, right? You know, a couple years later, right, 2003, everyone hears about this crazy moment in a boxing ring because that's where dancers do get out, right? In boxing rings.
0: If you could say something to Ricky right now, What would you say to him?
1: Ricky, you shouldn't have never got that girl pregnant. You knew I had a crush on you. You should have got with me instead.
0: Moments in Black culture examined like never before. Join us each week as we dive into the Black moments that changed us, that changed the world. Make sure to subscribe to Dear Culture so you never miss an episode.